welcome to Take 10 for Men. We are 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health. My name is Sophia Hatzis. I am the host of the show, and we speak to men from all walks of life, like Gotcha for Life founder Gus Wallen. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I truly believe that vulnerability is a new way to lead. There's stuff that we do that is good, and there's stuff that we just don't know what we're doing. There's nothing wrong with being human and explaining that to the people that you love. Episodes drop every Monday morning, so make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so you're the first to know when they're available. Today we have Hunter Johnson, the founder and CEO of Man Cave. Welcome, Hunter. Thanks so much for having me, Sophia. Looking forward to hanging out. I'm really looking forward to this interview. Uh, You were recommended to me by our mutual friend and guest, Robbie Frame. So this is very exciting to finally be meeting. And when I say, how are you? I would love if you wouldn't mind rating that for me on a scale of one to 10. So if you were to think about it, you know, one sort of being the lowest of lows and 10 being the highest of highs, whereabouts would you say you sit on that scale today? Ooh, uh, so today would be a nine. I just woke up feeling really aligned today. Um, and yeah, it was wake, woke up like probably a bit earlier than what I usually do at 6.30 and just like moved my body and sat down and um, journaling is a big thing for me and my own mental hygiene. And um, I actually had a big fat cry this morning as part of my journaling. I just started to feel back. I'm doing a bit of personal development work around, um, we often talk about like our little boy or our little girl, but the next level up is the inner teen. So the teen journey. And I was just feeling into, you know, how was my inner teen feeling, what was going on? And um, I had some memories actually come back and it's quite cathartic. So um, it was quite a special way to start my day. And yeah, I just kind of carried that energy into uh, everything that's going on for the rest of the day. What a refreshing way to start that. Thank you for being so honest about that. That's really lovely. And and I do want to touch on a couple of things that you mentioned. One of them is gratitude, which we will do later on. But the second one is about that progress into manhood. And your programs for the Man Cave really kind of support young boys in that process to manhood. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about what your journey into becoming a man was like. And was that a bit of a rocky road for you? Yeah, well, I think if we talk about, you know, becoming a man or a woman or an adult, generally there's a transitionary period where we change from one state of psychology into another, like a little inflection point, which used to be through a rite of passage. So we would be taken away from our community or our elders and go through a a transitory experience that then we overcome and then we're welcomed into into community again with a new uh, recognition that we've transitioned from being a boy or a girl into a, a healthy adult. And many Indigenous communities still have these practices today, but it's kind of lost within mainstream Western culture. There's kind of like you turn 18, you know, here's your car keys, you go to schoolies, um, you know, you're officially drink for the first time or take drugs or whatever it is. Um, so it's it's pretty confusing, that path into adulthood. And, um, you know, I think for me personally, my kind of, wake-up call was um, a big injury on the field, which um, was a broken leg that uh, was compa- I had compartment syndrome, and uh, which basically means the bone punctures the muscle. And um, yeah, a whole lot of complications around that. But I look back on that now as like my get-out-of-jail-free card. It kind of nudged me five degrees into a new direction. And I got to kind of just really slow down and reflect on who I was, what's important to me. And I think, yeah, my, my continuing on my journey to manhood, has just been looking at the different areas of my life and being really honest with myself around where am, where am I taking responsibility and where am I not? 
you know, in my finances, my relationships, my self-care, um, my professional life? Am I living aligned? What am I doing for my community? And I think, yeah, just being really honest, going, no, I actually feel like I'm not in my manhood in that area or my full higher self, whatever language you want to wrap around it. So um, that's kind of been my, my journey into manhood as a 30-year-old dude now. Very interesting that it started really with something quite intense like an injury because from what I know from you is that you were a very good rugby player and you had a lot of potential in the rugby field. Can you talk me through, and I'm going rogue here, can you talk me through a little bit what that was like for you kind of having to confront this idea that, hey, like I'm going to have to look into something else now. You know, rugby was my identity and was the thing that I was good at and it's the thing that I was celebrated for. What was that kind of journey like realizing that you needed to find your identity somewhere else? Incredibly scary is probably the summary. You know, I think I was at a point where, you know, I just love the footy culture and I love being with the boys. I love the banter. I love the competitive nature, but also I kind of built myself this identity, which I felt kind of trapped by. And I often did things just wanting to be accepted by my mates or the thrill-seeking activities that, you know, I look back on now and I'm really not proud of. And it's taken, you know, a bit of a journey for me just to kind of spend time with those parts myself or those memories and actually, you know, give myself forgiveness that, you know, I'm not a bad person. I did some things that are out of alignment with my character, but that doesn't define my whole being. And so for me, it, I look back at that injury and, um, you know, it was a real, a real transitory experience, which shocked me into a new stage of, of who I am. And it wasn't like things just like clicked overnight and suddenly I was on this path, but it, it nudged me about five degrees and, you know, a new door got opened and I started to kind of follow that door. And, you know, it took a long time for, for my mates and people that knew me to actually accept the kind of the new 2.0 version of who I was and fair enough. But I think I look back on that now and with just a simple lens that, you know, adversity shapes our character and, you know, we often hear about post-traumatic stress and, you know, that's obviously a really important topic. But the other side of that is if you're able to work through that trauma, how does that turn into post-traumatic growth? And I think that's the mindset that I've tried to bring into a lot of the challenges that I've faced in my life. I think you should be commended for, you know, forgiving yourself and for thinking back and reflecting on what you, because we've all fucked up when we were young and we've all probably done things that we're not proud of. So I think that's a really amazing message that you're not defined by your past. You can become another version of yourself. On that vein, there's something that you've mentioned before, which is that in your programs, you get the boys that you work with to define what a real man is and to define what a good man is. And often you've mentioned that there's a bit of a disparity between the kinds of answers that they come up with. And I wanted you, or I was hoping you might be able to expand on why that is, but also what healthy masculinity looks like, because I think we often get into this conversation and it happens with women as well, this toxic femininity or toxic masculinity, but to try to put like a positive lens on that, what does healthy masculinity and positive masculinity look like now in the modern man? Yeah, well, I'll I'll go to the first part of that question and just remind you of how scary school is, you know, it's like you're you're in an environment where everyone's just trying to survive the social structure of school. So however that plays out for you, you might try to be the coolest, the funniest, the smartest, the quietest, you know, however you can navigate the social structures of school is often the behaviours that we pick up and adopt. And alongside that, your brain's developing, your body's developing, you're going to parties or you're just getting this whole new world of social life. And you're just trying to work out your own life at the same time. So it's a pretty overwhelming time. And I think 
with young men particularly, they've been handed a script of masculinity. So like an unofficial set of rules that's been handed down to them from society or from the men in their life. And what we find in classrooms working with now about 20,000 boys is that they've never really questioned those rules or questioned the social conditioning that they have. They live into that culture and then they police each other with that culture through banter. And banter is awesome. Like that's a way that we connect. It's how we build trust. It's how we determine we like people. Um, but also there's a whole other side to just going beyond the banter, which I know you've talked about before on this. And I think for, for young men, often they just want the permission just to slow down and actually access more of who they are apart from the persona or the performance they feel like they have to live into at school. And so one way that we do that is we just get them to write down on post-it notes, what does it mean to be a good man? And they write down, like, they just think it's going to be a pretty lame workshop. And they just start writing down, like, to be kind, to be trustworthy, to be loyal, to be courageous. And then they kind of pull it back and say to them, what does it mean to be a real man? What are you seeing around you? What's being role model to you? And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, and we just give them free reign. And they come back and it's like, have a big dick, you know, don't be a virgin, crap a cold one with the boys, um, don't be a pussy, be ripped, like whatever it is. And they put it up on, on this whiteboard. And we just have an honest conversation going, who's felt pressure to live into any of these stereotypes? And we start getting boys raising their hand and, the wonderful thing about vulnerability or authenticity is that it creates safety and it gives permission for others to, to lean in and do the same. And as soon as boys hear that social conditioning or the, the banter culture with authenticity, other boys just lean in and they want to have honest and raw conversations. And so that's just a really effective way that we've found that it works for us. And really it's just about giving boys the self-awareness to create their own authentic manhood and for me, that's what healthy masculinity is. It's just giving them the permission to create their own rules. And we want to wrap buzzwords like healthy masculinity around it. Let's do that. But really, it's just about giving them the awareness to be a, a healthy, flourishing human being, whatever that means to them. You see different kinds of people all the time. But I want to ask a question specifically about young boys. And having worked with so many now, can you identify a common thread or a common theme that you can see sort of emerging in the young men? Like what is the biggest challenge that you see facing young men in this day and age? Yeah. So I should also clarify that 20,000 boys we work with, we don't do like kind of short, sharp workshops or like a PowerPoint presentation. These are like full day, multi-day immersive experiences. So it's like a lot of deep time we've spent with these boys. But I'd say that the biggest challenge that they're facing is a real questioning around what does it mean to be a healthy man in 2021? You know, there's a real lack of role models who are able to demonstrate range in their masculinity. So guys who are stoic, guys who are vulnerable, guys who are playful, but they have that in their character themselves. Mm. And so I think because of that, there's a lot of confusion out there as to who are they supposed to be? And where do they get those values from? And I think the impact of not having that clarity coupled in with some like really big cultural influences like the Me Too movement to even language like toxic masculinity, rape culture, the consent movement. It's a really confusing time for a lot of these young men. And what they're really looking for is role models that give them permission and more range in their masculinity. And then inside of that, the biggest challenge that we see with young men is there's a real fear of judgment. So a lot of these boys are fearful that they're not going to belong and be part of the group. And so sometimes they'll, they'll trade their own values in order to 
be a part of the group and do things that they don't really want to do just so that they have that feeling of belonging and connection. I'm curious as to what your top tip would be to someone, particularly a young man who wants to go from banter to a conversation of gravity but doesn't really know how. I think the, the first step is just to slow down. You know, there's no perfect way to do this. And I think coming back to listening to your deeper, higher self, and which is kind of hard to do in the business of this lifetime. So I think, first of all, just slow down, really get clear on what is it you want to do and who do you want to, what conversation do you want to have and who do you want to have it with? And then the next piece is just when in doubt, be authentic. There's no right way to have these conversations. If it's messy, awkward, uncomfortable, that's what it is, you know. And if it doesn't go as well as you want to the first time, you set the building block for that conversation another time. And then I think as well, like just sending resources, I think is a really nice way with mates. So it might be this podcast, you know, or it might be another podcast. So you start to impact the group culture of your mateship group by filtering things that are funny. Yes, of course but also things that have a little bit more depth. And, you know, then the, the next part is obviously, you know, Gus would use the language second and third questions, I think. So the follow-up questions, we're often really good at just that, how are you or whatever it is you want to say, but actually kind of sitting there in the awkwardness and going again and asking that second and third question. And, and then finally, the big thing I think is just acknowledgements. And, you know, if you do have a raw, honest conversation with someone, let them know what it is you respect, you love or admire about them. And of course, you don't have to use that language, but whatever makes sense to you. Because often if someone's opened up a part of themselves, they might be feeling that vulnerability hangover. And just to let them know, you know, you see them and and that's okay. It's really special. Yeah, that's a great point. And sort of going to the next sort of phase now, I wanted to ask you how you best see women's playing a supportive role when it comes to men's mental health? Like how is it or what is the best way for women to support the men in their lives to live their authentic selves? Really interesting question because women have done so much for so long and this is not for women to carry this like they do with so much else. And so I think the most important thing is women keep being unashamedly themselves. You know, we live in a very male-dominated society and whether you want to call that the patriarchy, you can, but I think now is a really incredible time where some of the more traditional qualities that women have had in their leadership skills or their way of moving through the world are starting to be welcomed into boardrooms, into more into relationships. And I think now is the time for men to really slow down and to think about what we can learn from from amazing women. So my two cents is that women just need to keep being themselves and and that's the answer. So you're doing so many things and you're kicking so many career goals and you're just absolutely killing it. So for someone who is at the age that you're at now, if you were to look back and think about all the amazing people that you've been in contact with and all the amazing things that you've done, can you think about one sort of piece of advice that you might be able to leave us with that was one that resonated most with you? First one that's there is to invest invest in experiences. I think particularly as, you know, we're yeah, if you're in the ages of like kind of coming out of school, early 20s, 30s, or even beyond, I just think life is about the experiences you have. And I know from my own life, I've just made a commitment every year to invest in a life-changing experience. Even if I don't have the money for it, I'll rattle the team together and, and go for it. And I think from those experiences, I try to do something that's off-brand for me. So I've done singing lessons before because when I grew up, you know, doing anything creative in the culture that I would call gay. And like, that was so scary for me as like a teenage boy. I'm now on a massive journey back to try and reclaim 
the creative side of myself. And so investing in experiences and doing things that are off-brand for who you are, I think builds more range in, in your identity. When you push outside of what makes you comfortable, that's when things change and that's when you grow. So I think that's that's a really amazing tip. Thank you for that. I wanted to ask you how you manage your mental health every day. So this goes back to gratitude, which we talked about at the start. You had a pretty emotional start to the day, which set you up for a really beautiful day. But how do you manage your mental health on a day-to-day basis to make sure that you're mentally strong? Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a practice. That's what it is. You know, it, it's a practice just like anything that we want to get better at. And I think just the, the more time I spend with myself, the more I understand who I am. So what I really try to do is create pockets of what I'll call sacred time, which is um, if we think profane time, just to contrast it is like going from meeting to meeting or I've got to get to this thing and it's just like quite busy and frantic. And then sacred time is really just the time where it just walks. You know, it might be a beautiful conversation like this. It might be walking outside and get struck in awe by nature or just you're in the ocean and you're just like, whoa, this is amazing. Or the journaling, whatever it is those moments where time just evaporates and we just get to spend time with the inner us is like, my God, that is just like replenishes my soul. So I think finding pockets of sacred time is is so important for me and my mental health. And inside of that, I just ask myself and listen to my gut and really start to have conversations as to how am I, what do I want to do? Where am I in alignment? Where am I out of alignment? And just for, for it to not be like a thing I have to do, but actually you know, an investment in myself. And then, yeah, you've, you've nailed it, gratitude. I think part of my daily journal practice is um, I always end with just things I'm grateful for. And as we know, gratitude just um, rewires the brain and it's a great, great thing, particularly in times of stress and chaos to bring us back to what's important in our lives. I'm grateful for my community today. Um, I've got amazing best friends. I've got the work that I just... Uh, love and I'm constantly in awe by the people who work with with me uh, and my relationship as well just you know being able to grow with someone's really special so community is what I'm grateful for today what a way to finish I couldn't think of a better way Hunter I want to say a big thank you for joining the podcast I'm just loving everything that you're doing you're making an incredible difference and a wonderful impact you speak so eloquently so I want to say a huge thank you for joining me I know you're a very busy man but hopefully one day we'll have the opportunity to meet in person but Thank you very much for joining. Amazing. Thank you. And massive shout out to you for doing this. You didn't have to do it, but you're doing it. It makes a massive, massive difference for so many people. So thank you to you. Thank you for listening. Episodes drop every Monday morning and you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Remember to take 10 and check on the man you love today.